0: This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer We don't know Bob, I don't trust Bob I don't trust Bob at all Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris.
1: And I'm Stacey Kulo. And we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
0: Which is a show that I loved growing up, but I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows.
1: So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go.
0: And this week we watch season three, episode nine of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Wish.
1: As well as Gilmore Girls, a deep fried Korean Thanksgiving. These were both good, Brian.
0: These were both good episodes. I think this is maybe the high water mark for me for season three, Buffy.
1: This is your favorite Buffy episode of season of three? So far. Oh, so far. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know what you meant by high water mark.
0: Yeah, I meant so far.
1: I-, I think I would maybe agree with that. We'll talk about it. It's hot, Brian.
0: It is hot. And not just the sexual tension between us, which is constant and ongoing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just like a heat wave right now in New York.
1: And we just did a little test to see if we could record with the air conditioning on. And it seems like we maybe cannot.
0: Yeah, the audio it's picking up is bad, so we're just sweating here for you guys.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see if we can do some more tests, but I, I don't know. That was re- It was weird.
0: Maybe we could put our clothes before the podcast like in the freezer.
1: Yeah, we could just do it nude. I don't know that that would help, actually. No. The sexual tension would be just too much.
0: Oh, my God. We also eat lasagna when we do this, so.
1: What? What does that have to do with anything? Well,
0: you had a bit about spaghetti. That's what it was, right? Oh,
1: right. So that was close. <laughs> we discovered a new cookie place that we go to like every day now. Yeah. It's called Chip City. I think it's a chain.
0: They got warm cookies. We had a savory everything cookie today with like a cream cheese filling. It was great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's good.
0: The heat is really hard on our cat. He is, like, desperately trying to find, like, a cool place to lie down and then stretch his belly out as much as possible.
1: Yeah, it's so cute, but I feel bad for him. I don't know why he doesn't go in, like, the room where the air conditioning's on, though. Like, I didn't have it on in my office space today, and he was, like, mostly hanging by me, and you had the air on in this room.
0: Yeah, I don't know that he's smart.
1: His brain's little. It's
0: a small little brain.
1: All right. Well, should we start talking about our thingies?
0: The shows? Uh, I think people want to hear about the shows. I, that's, that, that's a different podcast.
1: Yeah. DM us if you want to hear about our thingies.
0: In this heat. But uh, we're going to talk about the shows. This week, we started with Buffy. Stacy, can you tell us about The Wish?
1: I sure can, Brian.
0: That sounded so disingenuous. <laughs> <laughs> I sure can, Brian. That's what I'm paid to do. People are going to think you're an AI.
1: I love you, Brian. Fake So, The Wish is about Cordelia being really upset about the way she's being treated after her breakup with Xander, so she makes a wish via this new woman's necklace. So then we see a reality where Buffy never came to Sunnydale, and Sunnydale is just like overrun with vampires. I imagine the rest of the world's not great either. So it opens with Buffy, Willow, and Xander on like a little picnic. Buffy's getting like choked out by a Cthulhu, and Willow comes and helps stab it with a knife.
0: Can we talk about how this like Cthulhu thing is like not near water- no. In broad daylight. Yeah. No one seems to be caring. It seems like they were just having a picnic and Cthulhu was like picking a fight that day, I guess. It's kind of
1: funny because they realize it doesn't just disappear and they're going to have to like bury it.
0: Yeah. We've brought that up several times. Uh-huh. I'm like, are you going to bury it right now? Because what if someone walks over and sees Cthulhu's body?
1: But they don't. They have a little chat first. Yeah. Apparently Oz and Cordelia are still pissed at Willow and Xander.
0: It's pretty funny that they kill this demon and then they're like, oh, our love life so we're a mess. Yeah.
1: Willow and Xander seem to be, like, over each other, I guess, and are more focused on making things right with their exes. Yeah. I'm like, why? It's going to be so hard to win them both back over.
0: Yeah, see, this is... What I kind of hated about this episode and just about the Xander Willow thing.
1: I mean, is it over? Don't tell me. But, like, it seems like they're not romantic in this episode at all.
0: I'm not going to talk about long-term anything. I am going to say that the whole season so far, they're setting up that, like, oh, Xander and Willow need to be together. They, like, can't help but be together. They want each other even though they're trying to resist it. And then when they finally kiss and they get out of their relationships, essentially, right— They're both just like, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. Let's not worry about it.
1: Yeah, they have, like, the freedom to be together now. I mean, it's not going to make Oz and Cordelia happy to see, but, like, I don't know. It seems like a lot of work to fix it. And then maybe they still have sexual tension that they got to deal with?
0: Yeah, they're not expressing that they have sexual tension, though.
1: I know, but they they, they absolutely would.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Xander's all like, oh, we used to be able to touch hands because we were friends. Not like, I want to touch you because I'm into you like I was one day ago. Yeah. So I really don't like that plot switch.
1: But Cordelia's busy ignoring Xander's obscenely Dean amount of messages, and she's just, like, burning photos of him. Her tummy wound is healed enough so she can go back to school, and everyone's, like, saying she looks scary now. I think she's mostly just, like, wearing more eye makeup. She still looks, like, 30 years old. She's just gone from, like, regular teacher to, like, mantis trying to have sex with all the students' teacher. She's kind of wearing, like, a leather skirt. And she runs into Harmony and her other mean girlfriends, who have a new friend, Anya, who's got a real rich dad, so her and Cordelia are just, like, instant besties. They're acting nice to her, but it's a prank. They're like, oh, you're done with Xander? You better get back out there. We've got the perfect guy for you. Surprise! It's Jonathan! Ha 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 ha! And then this like music play is indicating that we're supposed to feel bad for Cordelia, but I feel bad for Jonathan. This is so mean to him.
0: So bad for Jonathan, and also for that actor. Like, hey, we're g- you're gonna play a joke of a man. Just FYI.
1: There's really nothing wrong with him, except he's like small like he hasn't done anything that weird ever yeah Or you know like I've never seen him do anything embarrassing he's just always getting picked on he is drinking a drink called a huge glug which (laughs) is pretty stupid Jonathan but he's just sitting there so sad or I don't know he even seems like unaware that they're making fun of him which is maybe more sad
0: yeah but we're supposed to feel bad for Cordelia and Cordelia really should be like hey Jonathan these guys are assholes let's get out of here yeah instead she's all like ugh God, you think I should be with this piece of shit? I know. Poor me.
1: Jonathan fares a little better in Gilmore Girls, I think.
0: We're not done with Jonathan and Buffy either.
1: Oh, okay. Willow tries to talk to Oz, but he does not want that. He's like, you just want to alleviate your guilt, and it's not my problem that you feel bad, so later.
0: I feel like that's written pretty well, because he says, like, I'm sorry this is hard for you, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I, I liked the way this interaction went.
1: Yeah. Cordelia sees Xander and then kind of tries to make it look like she's making out with a guy by just having him check her teeth for her, which it works. Xander buys it. And then the dude is like, you know, people don't really like you because you dated Xander, but I will totally fuck you. Just no one can know about it. Okay. You cool with that?
0: (laughs) I don't buy this, like, the hottest girl in school dated a nerd, so uh, who would ever hang out with her? Any guy. Every single guy. Because they think they have a shot with her.
1: I can see it being weird trying to break into her friend group again if she hasn't been hanging out with them this the whole time. The women,
0: yes. But not, like, these dumb jock dudes.
1: Yeah. I mean, this guy mentioned he'd been having, like, a hard time with his football team or something, so he just can't handle this social blow either.
0: The social blow of... Hooking up with the hottest girl at school.
1: Well, he'll do it.
0: Just his secret.
1: So Anya, the new girl, comes up and is like, look, girl, all you need is me. We're the only people in the school who know what Gucci smells like. Just be my friend. Focus on this clearly cursed necklace I have. Maybe make a wish or two. Don't think about the fact that I'm the bad thing in this episode. And Cordelia's like, yeah, you're right. So the two of them go to the bronze, and they're just having a great time. Or at least Cordelia's pretending to be having a good time to make Xander upset, which, again, works. Xander's very swayed by her tricks. He tries to pretend he's having a good time, too. And Buffy's like, I don't know, Xander. I think we should give Cordelia a break. She's been going through a lot. What? Ever since Homecoming, Buffy and Cordelia have been, like, very snippy with each other. Yeah. Yeah. They're not friends this season.
0: No, and for Buffy to be like, oh, poor Cordelia. Like, you hated her, uh, like, two days ago.
1: They never were super close, but I feel like they were getting a little better. But the last episode, I think, they were, like, really mean to each other.
0: Yeah. I mean, I kind of get her point of view of being like, well, Xander, I mean, you're the one that did it. And I'm not going to call you out because you're my friend. But, like, you did, she, she didn't.
1: Well, Xander's not afraid to call Buffy out.
0: That's true. But, I mean, she's not calling him out. Because she'd probably have to call Willow out then, too, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Xander just decides that they're not going to be sad anymore. They're going to grab life by the balls and just be happy. So they all agree to do this, but it does not last long because they're very depressed, unhappy people. But so Buffy gets up to get chocolate. This is where Xander touches Willow's hand, just out of habit. And she's like, no. And Xander's like, well, we used to like friend touch all the time. And she's like, well, if I want Oz back, we can't touch anywhere. And then
0: Willow passed out from lack of oxygen. Yeah,
1: my brother's gone.
0: You know what's really funny is that at some point we're going to play the Buffy video game. Okay. And they got everybody except for Sam Michelle Geller for the voice. Oh. And they even got someone that's pretty good at Sam Michelle Geller. But then they made a sequel game and they got everybody except for Sam Michelle Geller. And at this point, I think Allison Hannigan was too big to do video game voices. Mm-hmm. And the person they got with this is this woman who's like best, Willow was just like the most out of breath person you've ever met. So just Willow's constantly like, I'm gonna kiss a spell. Oh, are you gonna pass out? Was it me? It was you. So you're doing a great job of someone pretending to be Willow. Thank
1: you. Yeah. So this is where it's clear, like, they're not actually wanting to be together. Because Xander wasn't, like, trying to make a move. He just, like, happened to touch her hand.
0: And he's not pushing, like, hey, I want to kiss you either. It seems like they've both been like, well, we're not going to be together. Whatever. Yeah. I I just hate that they were, like, unable to control themselves for several episodes. But now they're just like, oh, it's fine. It's not a big deal.
1: Buffy notices that Cordelia's leaving, and she meets her in the alley and gives this whole speech about how she knows what it's like to be hurt. The secret is just talking to your friends about it. But then a vampire shows up. Buffy kicks him, and he, like, knocks Cordelia into a trash pile. And her old, mean girl friends walk by and happen to see this and just laugh and laugh. And now Cordelia realizes what a real problem is. It's Buffy. Ever since Buffy shows up, everything's gone bad for her. She's the cause of all her problems. Cut to her telling all this to new girl Anya, who's like, here, wear this totally not magic necklace and maybe make some wishes. And she wishes that Buffy had never come to Sunnydale. Anya's face turns all demony, and she's like, "Done."
0: It was funny how pushy she was being to get her to like wish something about Xander specifically, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, she kept like suggesting things. And, like, yeah, it's at this
0: point she... that if you don't know that she's a the villain, then you're you're not watching the show.
1: Yeah, it was not a secret like ever. Like the first time she talked, she's like, "Don't you wish that everyone would be dead in this school?" And Cordelia just kind of kept ignoring her, like not picking up on the clues. Yeah. Suddenly, the school's courtyard is like pretty empty. There's trash everywhere. Buffy was just there, and now she's not, and Cordelia's just jacked. She's not, like, muscular. She's just excited. Inside, she sees her mean friends dressed like hot handmaids. (laughs) Like, they're wearing dresses that are, like, normal and form-fitting, but they're all, like, army colors, kind of? Yeah. They mention that her outfit is daring, which I actually had commented on before they said that, because she's wearing this, like, shiny blue-looking, like, prom dress. Yeah. Yeah. Then that guy who only wanted to fuck her in secret comes up to her and is like, FYI, I would just like totally fuck you in front of all your friends right now. No, I would
0: simp hard for you. It's not just about fucking. I would simp so hard for you.
1: you using simp again?
0: I'm using simp again. Come on. This guy wants to simp.
1: Can you remind me what that means again?
0: It's like be overly nice for somebody that you're into.
1: Mm. Whatever he was before, he's the opposite now.
0: Yeah, she's like, I'll think about going to a dance with you. I'll get back to you at some point. He's like, oh my God, yes.
1: Yeah, I mean, that basically means no, but he's very excited about it. A lot of other weird stuff is happening in the classroom. The chalkboard just says, quiet, exclamation point in giant letters. The class is only like half full. The teacher seems very afraid and mentions there's no class tomorrow because of the monthly memorial. And then he just like runs out of class. Everyone's in a rush to get home before curfew. Cordelia suggests going to the bronze and everyone's like, what?
0: They act like she made a 9-11 joke.
1: But that hadn't even happened yet.
0: I know. So it was, like, crazy.
1: And then she asked Harmony about Xander and Willow. And Harmony's like, um, they're dead. What's wrong with you? So Cordelia's just, like, out walking alone at night. We know what's happening. It's obvious. This town's got a vampire problem. That's why everyone's going home early. Yeah. And two of those vampires are Xander and Willow, who are, like, grossly in love. They're very Spike and Drew- Cordelia bumps into Xander, and she's like, what? Harmony told me you were dead. And she doesn't put it together somehow.
0: Yeah, not for a while.
1: She's just not understanding what's happening. She mentions Buffy, and Xander's like, what? She, like, already regrets wishing Buffy away and realizes it's bad that Buffy's not here, but somehow doesn't seem to realize that Xander's a vampire.
0: Yeah, I know. It's crazy.
1: Like, if they told you Xander was dead, and now you see him alive, you wouldn't be like, Harmony lied. You'd be like, maybe you're a vampire. Yeah. (laughs) Especially since he's acting a lot different. But it takes them turning their vamp face on for her to, like, figure out what's happening. They're going to eat her, but she's saved just in time by what Xander and Willow call the White Hats, which is Giles with a cross in a van driven by Oz, also containing Larry and some girl who seems familiar. They call her Nancy, but she doesn't last long. Do we know her?
0: No. We know Larry. We do know Larry. He's good at heart.
1: They take her back to the library, and Nancy's like, what's she doing wearing that? Everyone knows vampires are attracted to bright colors. Is that something we've established, or are we establishing that right now?
0: Apparently we're establishing that right now.
1: They're, like, bees? (laughs) Yeah. Like, they made up that rule for this episode.
0: Yeah, I don't think vampires are like, I'm not going to eat anybody today unless someone's colored brightly. Yeah,
1: they're attracted to living people, (laughs) but not Jonathan.
0: No, they would never eat Jonathan. It doesn't matter what the hell that guy's wearing.
1: Then we cut to the movie Blade. (laughs) Yeah, right. I have not seen Blade, but a friend recently made me watch the opening scene, and this seems to be very inspired by that. It's much tamer, but, like, the music that's playing is nearly identical. But it's essentially like a vampire club now. There's a dude in a cage, no blood shower, but just general vampire fun, bad for human stuff. Willow and Xander go into this secret room where they see the master. He's super bummed because he's just, like, not getting off on eating people anymore. Yeah.
0: It's cool. The master reveals cool. You're like, oh yeah, if Buffy never came, you would have risen.
1: But Xander mentions that Cordelia mentioned Buffy. The master's like, you gotta stop Cordelia before she gets Buffy here. The plant is opening today.
0: Yeah, very coincidental that the plant's opening today.
1: (laughs) It's called the plant and it's called the factory, but in the scene we're calling it the plant. And then he pets them a lot? He really does have a Kool-Aid mouth. Yeah. Cordelia wakes up in the library and she just tells Giles about the wish she made and how life was so much better with Buffy. And she wonders why Buffy's not here if he's her watcher. And he's like, hold up. How do you know about that? And then Giles gets this feeling. So he goes to the cage to grab a cross. But Willow shows up and locks him in the cage. Her and Xander overheard him say that he was a watcher. And then Willow and Xander just kind of three-way Cordelia right in front of Giles. With their mouths, to be clear. Their teeth. They bite her. They kill her. It's not sexual. Maybe it is for them. I don't know. She's dead.
0: This scene's awesome, right? You don't see it coming at all. Like, you think, like, Cordelia's gonna learn a lesson in, like, self-sacrifice to, like, turn reality back, right? Yeah. But it's like, no, she's dead. Yeah. This is either gonna be permanent. We know it's not. Or it's going to be somebody else who has to step up, which I think is really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thinking about it now, it kind of makes sense because she did immediately regret removing Buffy from this universe. Yeah, And she gave Giles, like, all the information he needed.
0: But these types of stories, she's going to, like, learn a lesson and change it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. I didn't think in the moment that her thing was over. I'm just saying, like, now it it makes sense. Like, she did kind of learn her lesson quickly. We just...
0: Right, but she doesn't actually learn the lesson.
1: No. But she is, like, begging Giles to fix it and bring Buffy back. Yeah. But yes, I, I agree. I didn't see her death coming so soon. It seemed like this was going to be a Cordelia episode. Giles busts out of the cage with this big, ancient-looking axe. That's maybe a mistake, because it implies that anyone could bust out of this cage with one of the many weapons stored in there. And I only say that because Oz and Larry show up immediately, and Willow, like, dropped the key on the ground, so they could have just let him out easily.
0: He could have gone out that window, too, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm just saying, like, why didn't they just have Oz and Larry let him out? But he tells them to take Cordelia to the incinerator, like it's something they probably do all the time. But then he notices her necklace. He knows about Buffy, so he makes a call to her watcher in Cleveland, where there's apparently also a lot of demonic activity. Do we ever see Cleveland? Mm. I bet we see Cleveland. Mm. Mm. He eventually finds the necklace in a book and says it's the symbol of Anyaka, who's the patron saint of scorned women, and she grants wishes. He's driving home, pondering all these clues from Cordelia, when he sees some vampires loading a bunch of humans into a van. He goes to stop them with his giant cross, which kind of works. The people escape, but then he gets, like, knocked out by the van door. (laughs) There's got to be a YouTube montage of him getting knocked out, right? Oh, yeah,
0: for sure. Have you seen it? No, but it's got to exist.
1: I hope so. Don't send it to me, because I can only watch up to this point, but send it to me in a couple years. Send it to me. Send it to Brian. But then, the vampires, they're they are being fought? What, what's happening? What? They're
0: getting fucked? What? Fought. Oh, that's not what it sounded like.
1: They're being fought off? Who, what? Huh? Buffy's there. And much like the new Prime Universe Cordelia, she's a little tougher. Got a little more eye makeup and a little <laughs> lip scar.
0: And she's wearing, like, fatigues almost
1: yeah although i've seen her wear stuff like that occasionally
0: yeah it seems more militant she seems almost like a mix of buffy and kendra now like she's very serious about fighting vampires
1: yeah you don't get the sense she ever doubted her calling
0: or like cares about her appearance or anything
1: Mm -hmm. but this world is a lot tougher too giles takes her back to his place not like that guys just to talk In one of his books, he's found the secret to defeating Anyaka, which is destroying her power center. Wherever that is, says even sassier Buffy. Buffy's not having this we-can-make-the-world-better-so-easily hopefulness that Giles is having, so she's off to kill the Master instead. Meanwhile, the Master's making himself a little blood espresso. Willow and Xander show up, they're like, hey, we killed Cordelia, it was super easy, and Willow, as a reward, wants to play with the puppy, who is Angel locked in a cage. Apparently, she gets super bored in the daytime and uses her free time to torture Angel by burning his chest. Couldn't she just, like, sleep during the day? They never show vampires sleeping in this show. Do they yeah. sleep upside down in coffins where they sleep? Yeah, I don't
0: know if we ever see vampires sleep in this show. I
1: feel like that's a big part of vampire stuff, yeah. watching them sleep. Not watching them sleep. but
0: like. I like to watch them sleep.
1: <laughs> anyway, she just loves burning his chest while Xander watches. Buffy shows up and notices the tortured angel in his cage. Of course, she doesn't know Angel, but Angel knows her. He's like, hey, I spied on you like a bunch. Remember me? I looked in your window and stuff. You were supposed to come here, and I was supposed to help you. You're my destiny. Is that true? Are they each other's destiny?
0: Don't you remember Whistler, like, showed Angel Buffy? Oh, I
1: do, but they didn't really go into the significance of that.
0: Well, I mean, Whistler was sent by some higher power.
1: Who was...
0: A higher power. Right. The B. that be.
1: The powers that be, yeah, I remember them.
0: And, you know, they wouldn't have sent him be like, wait for Buffy, she ain't never going. I mean, that's your destiny if you're told by God or some power that be, like, be here, wait for this girl, and the girl never comes. So
1: is it fulfilled now in this universe?
0: I mean, I guess it is fulfilled now, yeah. I think it was supposed to stop the master from rising, but...
1: Do we ever meet the powers that be? I don't know. Okay. Buffy's like, whatever, this is gross. Alternate wish universe Buffy doesn't do romance. Angel tells her about the master's big factory grand opening and offers to take her there. She goes to unchain him, but her cross necklace gives him the ouchies, revealing that he's a vampire, which she's not thrilled about. But then he shows her all his scars, and she trusts him, I guess.
0: I don't buy that she would trust him.
1: No, he could have just had that from whatever.
0: Yeah, and also, like, even, so Angel's like a weird, like, good. Luke. Yeah. And the way he was introduced to Buffy, like, he had proven his trustworthiness when she found out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, maybe you are telling the truth. But if some vampire's like, no, no, I'm one of the good ones, you're gonna be like, no, no, you're not, dude. Why would I ever believe you? You're all like psychopath demons. Right. You're gonna lie. This, You could be a trap right now.
1: Yeah. And I, this Buffy especially. Exactly. Probably. I mean, I guess she's like desperate to find the master and she could kill Angel if he betrayed her.
0: I mean, that's true. I mean, if she was like, all right, stay ahead of me. Sure. I guess that's true.
1: Yeah. At the Factory? Is this the factory, or it's just one of the many town factories?
0: I mean, maybe it's Spike's house, you know? Spike never moved in. So in this universe, it's Master's house.
1: At Master's house, the master is giving, like, a weird carnival barker or Hitler speech about <laughs> how dumb hunting is and how much better it would be to streamline this shit by basically juicing people alive with this machine that has all kinds of, like, spouts that just pour into, like, wine glasses. Which, uh, this show... This device does seem great for parties, but don't vampires like hunting?
0: Absolutely. I think it's just like the master is so old that he's sort of like outgrown it, sort of.
1: Sure. And when did he get all Mr. Trick? Wasn't his whole thing like being proud of the old ways? Well, that was when he was on the ground. Okay. Now he's up top. He's been up top for like two years.
0: I like to think he's met Mr. Trick since moving up top. Possibly. And Mr. Trick was like, hey, I can teach you all this new stuff. And he was like, cool, cool. You don't need to come to the ground opening. You got stuff to do.
1: Yeah. You were like, the master's awesome. I was like, yeah, he's awesome in this episode. He sucked before. But he
0: is cool. I like him.
1: But basement master, though, is just all like, I'm in the basement. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I just like confident master. I don't know. He's just like, he's evil, but he's like kind of fun. He's like quirky. He's like not like other vampires because he's kind of like over everything. I mean, his hands, the way he holds them are just, like, meant to hold a little espresso cup full of blood.
1: Sure, but not quite, like, Kakistos.
0: I bet Kakistos and Hammer buddies.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he met Mr. Trick, he maybe met Kakistos. But maybe he's met Kakistos before.
0: Yeah, like, thousands of years ago.
1: I don't think Kakistos would like this machine, though. No? Who knows? Like I said, it's good for parties. The, the girl is weirdly calm about it. Well, she... I think
0: they, they shock her.
1: Oh... Because she was, like, awake.
0: She was, and then they, like, poke her twice with some rod.
1: I guess I missed that.
0: Looks like the sticks they use on Worf in Star Trek when he's doing through that, like, little pain tunnel. Mm. Anyway, I'm a nerd.
1: Meanwhile, Giles has summoned Anya. And, of course, she does not like men, so she's not super happy to see him. And he's like, you're just a dumb, little brain, wish woman. And she's like, no, nope, P.S., also super strong, and, like, chokes him. Okay, he
0: wasn't misogynistic suddenly. <laughs>
1: No, but he was like, whatever, you don't have any power besides your wish thing.
0: Yeah, and then she was like, no, I, I can do punchies.
1: Yes, you're right. He wasn't misogynistic, but she's just assuming he sucks because he's a man. Yeah. Buffy and Angel have arrived at the factory, and they just, like, start fighting. They set the humans free, and then just, like, everybody dies. Xander kills Angel, Oz kills Willow, the Master kills Buffy, and all the while, Anya is strangling Giles, saying, this is the world we made, isn't it wonderful? Kind of meaning, like, this is what happens when these people who are supposed to love each other are at each other's throats. Mm. Like they actually are in real time.
0: I liked the Buffy master fight too. Mm -hmm. It was fun to see this Buffy like she's obviously, it's weird, right? Is she stronger than regular Buffy? I mean, she seems to be a very good fighter in this reality. Yeah. But she doesn't win against the master. It's hard to say if she gets mesmerized and that's why he breaks her neck. I assume that's what happens.
1: Sure. But Xander and Angel were already dead so they couldn't save her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't... You,
0: you can't CPR broken neck, but... Uh- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They uh, they saved her from drowning last
0: time. I like the idea of somebody who just constantly thinks CPR can, can help.
1: <laughs> you can't CPR broken neck.
0: <laughs> like, oh my gosh, he, the parachute didn't open. CPR! No, <laughs> it's kind of a splatter right now.
1: But Giles is like, no, I must make it better. The other world must be better than this, even though I've never been there. So he grabs the necklace off the lady and smashes it, reversing all the wishes this woman has granted.
0: So that's interesting, right? Yeah. Because the reality we come back to is not the reality of the show.
1: No. I was going to talk to you about that.
0: Oh, cool.
1: I mean, did you notice anything different? I didn't.
0: I didn't either, and I think the writers... I think the writer's intention is that it is, but that's, like, not what was set up.
1: Because I was going to say, wouldn't all of this woman's wishes being undone, like, potentially make this timeline different?
0: Yeah, at least in some ways, right?
1: It seemed like this was maybe like the most exciting wish she's ever granted. Absolutely. So maybe the other wishes were just like stupid things like Xander can't get a boner or, you know, whatever she was trying to get Cordelia to wish.
0: Absolutely. But like when you think of butterfly effect and you think of how old Anyanka is, that's a lot of little butterfly flaps.
1: Right. So you're saying that this will be addressed?
0: No, it never is.
1: Oh, this is just something you've noticed.
0: Yeah, but if you think about it, this world has got to be substantially different.
1: Yeah, you'd think. But like I said, maybe most of her wishes were just like with petty high school girls and this was...
0: Well, I know what most of her wishes were and they would affect the world. I mean, not as big as Buffy. Here's what I'll say. I know that Anyanka has fulfilled wishes that have resulted in people dying. We meet Anyanka again. All I can say is that wish magic is addressed at some point in the show. I see. And if those were all undone, like one person's life is gonna affect time.
1: But this specific reality reset is not addressed again.
0: No. Okay.
1: But Cordelia just like keeps making, you know, superficial wishes, and Anya's confused why she can't grant them. But she doesn't have her necklace, it's gone. And uh, everyone's back to normal, even though they shouldn't be.
0: Yep. Xander, Buffy, and Willow are sitting super awkwardly. Not socially awkwardly, just like who sits that way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, on a bench having a good time. Yeah, and yeah. Cordelia's excited about the mean things she's wishing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One thing she wishes is that Willow is covered in monkey hair. Something going on with Willow and a monkey. That's like the second time that's been a thing.
0: No, it's not. I'm waiting for it. You can, but there's nothing coming.
1: Um, and that's the episode. Brian? You already said this is your favorite episode so far, so is it a good one?
0: Okay, now that we've actually gone through it, Mm -hmm. yes, this is a great episode. I really like it. I mean, I like it because it's fun to see people playing different versions of themselves. That's fun.
1: We just kind of did this with band candy. That's true. But this is different.
0: Seeing like a vampire Xander Willow is fun. Seeing like an evil Willow, confident, extrovert evil Willow is fun. Yeah. But also, because they killed Cordelia in this alternate timeline, and because we know that the alternate timeline is going to switch back, it's not really going to stay, right? Right. And you just know that. No one saw this as was like, oh, Buffy's changed forever, you mm-hmm.
1: know? And episode
0: nine of the season. Exactly. But because of that, because we know this is like a limited timeline, anything can happen anyone can die so normally you're like yeah Buffy and Xander and Willow probably aren't gonna die but in this one it's like nah, anyone's on the table and they show that when Cordelia dies I love that and I love that Giles saved the day and will never get credit for it we'll never even know that he saved the day I love that the master comes back and we get to see what he would have been like I also just love that the writers were like yeah if Buffy never came what would have happened oh yeah the master I just think that's all smart and fun and clever and I liked playing in this sandbox
1: I agree it was very fun I wonder if Giles saving everybody was a metaphor. Like, he's sort of aware that the gang is at each other's throats IRL, and in this he sort of saves the day, meaning, like, there's got to be a better world. Because I feel like a big theme of the season so far is the gang's not doing great. Yeah. Morale is low. I don't know. Just something I'm thinking about. Maybe, maybe some Giles tries to fix. You don't have to confirm or deny, but I'm just thinking out loud.
0: It's just fun that Giles got to be the hero. I mean, it's not a Giles specific episode. It's not about Giles, but he still gets to be the hero. I liked that.
1: Mm-hmm. And he got to wear different clothes.
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah, he
1: did. He had like a sweater You were on. like,
0: who's this casual Giles? Yeah,
1: I guess he's been through a lot. Doesn't have time to put on his vest every day or yeah. whatever.
0: Vampires are attracted to the well-dressed. So it's true. Even if it's brown. If it's too nice.
1: Bright colors. So he would have been safe. No oh, yeah, he went fine, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a very fun episode. Not a lot of beef with it, I guess. Except
0: Yeah, we complained about the Willow Xander thing, but like... yeah.
1: I mean, I guess I don't know that that's done over they're not going to be attracted to each other, but it really feels like they're trying to say that.
0: I'm not going to say what happens in the future. All I'm saying right now is that the way this is presented is that it seems to be over agreed it's a weird end to what was supposed to be this like kindling romance
1: yeah but i I guess it was maybe important to set up at the top of the episode that they want to try to get back with these people because that just like added the tension with the fake versions of these people and made like oz killing willow significant Mm -hmm. i mean xander killing angel always makes sense i figured angel wasn't gonna make it yeah just like why not we can kill him in this reality no problem should we move on Let's do it. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed.
0: Charmed is another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen.
1: But we're discussing it anyway.
0: Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed?
1: Meanwhile on Season 3, Episode 9, Coyote Piper. Piper is consumed with insecurities over her impending 10-year high school reunion. But when a she-demon unexpectedly takes possession, Piper becomes very coyote ugly, and it is up to Prue and Phoebe to bring her back.
0: Okay, first off, I didn't know there were she-demons and he-demons. I
1: I do think that's the one thing we need to talk about, but I feel like the rest is just she gets drunk and dances on a bar because she feels bad about herself. Yeah. Yeah bar where she works uh-huh. is it's a whole thing yeah all of her employees are like well
0: oh. i think early in the episode like she scolds someone at work and mm. they're all like uh our uptight boss you know she's never about having fun cut to coyote ugly piper exactly she's dancing on the bar stools and then all of a sudden john goodman comes in and she's all like uh uh john uh uh and he's like ah, none of this
1: i'm sorry john goodman works at this bar
0: no he's just A patron. Okay, okay. Who Paper really respects. Okay. And when she sees herself dancing in his eyes, they're really big, then she feels bad. And that's how the she-demon leaves. What? Yeah.
1: The she-demon leaves how?
0: Piper feels so embarrassed and ashamed, she, like, pushes out the demon.
1: How does the she-demon get in?
0: Piper is, like, feeling insecure, and that, like, opens a portal for she demon.
1: Okay. And what opens portals for he-demons?
0: Uh, anything. He-demon will jump in. <laughs> no questions asked.
1: <laughs> but for women, it's when they're feeling insecure about their, like, body, or... Well,
0: women, it's a she-demon.
1: Okay, so when anyone yeah. is feeling insecure about themselves... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...their body, their face, yeah, she-demons yeah. are like... Aah. Get me in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And he demons are just always... I don't think
0: that... It's confusing, right? Because they've always just been demons until right now when it's suddenly a she demon.
1: I think there's just been very few, if no, women demons. Maybe we had one?
0: So this was sort of like an inclusion thing. The writers are like, you know, at this point, guys, we should throw... It's... 2000 something mm, maybe. maybe 90s
1: they didn't know
0: the writers room they just didn't leave
1: they were so deep in writing this brilliant show
0: they're like we should throw a she demon in there you know
1: yeah so prue and phoebe walk in on this
0: prue and phoebe they're the one. they go and find john goodman okay they know that she super respects john goodman as a customer as a customer
1: yeah like a very female positive episode by including a she demon but then they just make a drunk woman dance on the
0: bar very provocatively yeah
1: and then uh she goes to her reunion and it was was fine she's the hottest one there obviously yeah like what was she even worried about she went to school in like this gross town
0: everyone peaked at like 17
1: yeah and it, it was a low peak yeah it, it was a low watermark as brian would say yeah so um she really overreacted
0: then she gains a lot of respect from her employees because they're all like i guess she can let loose
1: and then they start dancing on the bar and she's like guys 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 guys, no no, no 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 not you just me
0: And this has been Meanwhile Uncharted.
1: So then we watch Gilmore Girls. Brian, why don't you tell everyone about a deep fried Korean Thanksgiving?
0: So this episode is like a classic sitcom bit where it's like, oh, we've got to go to multiple Thanksgivings. But it's also about Lorelai dealing with the fact that her daughter might go to Yale, which is what her parents want and not kind of what she wanted for her daughter. And also Rory trying to navigate what kind of PDA she should have with Jess. The episode starts with the two women watching Grey Gardens, and they're kind of laughing about how funny they are and stuff, but then at some point they both get to the realization that this might be them eventually. It's <laughs> funny. Very simple. And they get really kind of sad, and then <laughs> the credits play.
1: Yeah. Except they don't have cats.
0: That's true. Yeah. So then, at the end, it's absolute chaos in the kitchen. Suki is super upset. She's yelling at everybody that they got to whip the meringues right, that there's too much egg whites. She said this is a salmonella factory, which is confusing because...
1: We work at a salmonella factory.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But she's freaking out because she's going to take Thanksgiving off and Bob, whoever Bob is, Chef Bob...
1: We don't know Bob. I don't
0: trust Bob. I don't trust Bob at all. He is going to run the kitchen at the end during Thanksgiving. So she's like freaking out that something's going to be wrong. She admits that Bob's like a fine guy, like a fine chef. Suki's like a super control freak in the kitchen, which is going to be a theme for her through this episode. While they're in the kitchen, Emily shows up. This is kind of funny because Suki's like, oh, hi, Emily. And then Laura's like, oh, pfft. that's like saying, oh, hi, Stalin. Emily takes that pretty well. <laughs> Emily's yeah. like, you're comparing me to a uh, murderous dictator. Okay, that's fine. I would love it if you came to Thanksgiving. Yeah. Apparently Lorelai has been playing like phone tag strategically with her mother, like leaving messages when she calls and hanging up when her mommy answers. And she's like missed the last two Friday night dinners by saying she was sick. Emily's like, listen, you got to come to Thanksgiving. I know you're mad at your dad, but I had nothing to do that with that. And I want you to come. It's important to me.
1: I guess they're going to be gone the rest of the year, too. They're going to
0: be gone for the rest of the year on vacation. So they don't, they're not going to see each other. So she feels like she owes it to her. So Lorelei, like, agrees that she'll do it.
1: Yeah, I liked when she was like, this is for me. Your dad messed up. But, like, don't blame me.
0: And I mean, she makes a good point. So now, Lorelai is roped into and locked into another Thanksgiving.
1: They already had three.
0: Yeah, she's got three Thanksgivings. We'll get into them eventually. Then we cut to class, and they're doing like very basic cell structure stuff. I don't know when I stopped learning about this, but I feel like high school... Yeah, I guess I was learning about this in high school.
1: I think we learned about it sophomore year. But yeah, you're right. It does seem pretty basic. And also, the teacher was like, okay, so the cell is composed of these things, and then the bell rings? <laughs> I was like, why yeah. did you start this two minutes before class ends? Yeah, you got
0: a huge visual aid out, <laughs> like two seconds before the class ends.
1: Unless they, like, finished the previous chapter and had a little extra time.
0: I'm guessing the teacher was just having trouble be like, gold g- gold g- G- Golgi apparatus. Yeah,
1: it was too sexual for her to get through.
0: Yeah, it was pretty funny. Louisa and Madeline are like, is it just you or the cell parts sounding dirty? Golgi apparatus 100% sounds dirty. Mm-hmm. And Golgi
1: body? Is that what it is?
0: Okay, the Golgi apparatus, also known as the Golgi complex, Golgi body, or simply the Golgi, is an organelle found in most eukaryotic cells.
1: Unless you want to put that Golgi body on my Golgi apparatus right now, you got to stop saying Golgi.
0: Yeah, I mean, anyone refers to something as the powerhouse of the cell. I mean, that's going to turn you on.
1: Mm -hmm. This scene was not 100% necessary, but I guess I liked that it happened.
0: I like this scene, actually, for a couple of reasons. So Paris is, like, upset that she can't find volunteer work at a shelter for Thanksgiving, which is a real thing I've heard of. They're like, on Thanksgiving, people will be like, oh, I'm going to volunteer last minute. They're like, that's, like, the one day everyone is volunteering. We're, like, staff. But she's upset that she can't find some place to volunteer, and she, like, gets a phone call from a soup kitchen calling her back, and she goes straight into, like, super Karen mode, like, let me talk to your supervisor. I'm going to volunteer. The reason I like this scene specifically, besides the fact that it's kind of funny, is that, like, Paris says to Rory, like, you know that I do all of these things for the ultimate good of mankind, right? Like, you know that? Because sometimes I feel like it doesn't come off that way, but that's why I'm doing it. I feel like that's important because I think we're supposed to take Paris at her word here. And I think this is sort of like telling the audience, like, hey, Paris is a lot, but like she does have good intentions. I'm doing all these things because I'm the best at the job. And overall, I'm going to make a better world. Another way to read that is that she's a total psychopath with delusions of grandeur. But I do think that Paris is smart. And I do think she, at the end of the day, thinks what she's doing is at least utilitarian wise, like for the greater good.
1: That's interesting, because I feel like Rory responds like, yeah, sure you are.
0: I took it as, we'll have to watch the scene again. I feel like Rory was like saying like, yeah, I know that. Don't worry about it. Like, she does. Like, kind of rolling your eyes because like, you're a lot, Paris, but I do get that.
1: I could see that too. That's interesting. So you like Paris now.
0: I don't like Paris, but at least it's like humanizing her. Like, no, she is a good person. Like, she's crazy, but the reason she's crazy isn't because she is selfish. So I actually felt like it was important for her to have that line. Sure.
1: And Louise is visiting her dad in jail.
0: Yeah. So then we cut to Lorelai and Rory walking down the street. There's a lot of them walking on the street scenes in this episode. And they run into Kirk. He's coming out of a business with a bunch of cat stuff, which is funny because this is a mirror of a scene where Luke in season one came out of a the same store, I think, with a bunch of cat stuff mm. for Rachel. Remember?
1: Yeah, he bought her like oven mitts.
0: Yeah, like cat oven mitts. But all Kirk stuff is like litter tray, stuff like that. And they're like, oh, you got a Kirk. I didn't mean that slip up, but it worked.
1: Our cat is Kurt. Did you say Kurt or Kirk?
0: Kirk, which still works. Apparently, Kirk got a cat. He's super excited about it. Rory has a line that says he's always been a cat person, he just hasn't had a cat. I like that. I thought that was really funny. He's like, yeah, that does sound like Kirk.
1: Lorelai makes fun of Kirk for naming the cat Kirk. She's like, won't that be confusing? She named her daughter Lorelai. <laughs>
0: yeah, I didn't think about that.
1: What? <laughs> Like I she's got a nickname but come on we're not going to call this out that like you literally did that to the one thing you got to name in your life
0: yeah I wish Kirk had said that. (laughs) I said that out loud. So they have to go to Emily's Thanksgiving. It's going to be awkward because the family's there. They have to go to Lane's Thanksgiving, which is going to be awkward because of Lane's family. Then apparently they go to Luke's every year and Suki wants her to stop by.
1: At the top of the scene, they're like trying to figure out how they're going to go to all these Thanksgivings. And Rory says, Grandma cold
0: cocked you? Which is not a term I'm familiar with. Well, that means like to hit somebody, I think.
1: Okay. But then Lorelai, like, describes what Emily did as cobraing her, basically. She doesn't use the word cobra, but she says she, like, incapacitated her with her poison and devoured her whole. It's just interesting that we're calling her a cobra again.
0: Oh, yeah, I didn't catch that.
1: Again, didn't use the word cobra.
0: So they stop over to Luke's first and they're gonna tell him essentially, like, maybe we can't come because that's the one that's easy to cut out. There's no familial obligation to go to Luke's. When they mention to Luke that they might not make it, Luke's like all hurt. Like he acts like he's not, but he's like, Oh, it's not that big a deal. Okay, no, that's fine. Uh, don't worry about it. You don't have to come. I, I don't I don't need you to. He's about to cry. Pretty much.
1: Well, they are also set up that he's like very enthusiastic about them coming in today, like he saw them coming yeah. and like pre ordered their food because he remembers what they get every Wednesday
0: no that's right
1: I don't know they just really juxtapose that well Luke's in a very positive place with them currently They also tell him he can make one less turkey. Were the two of them going to eat a whole turkey? Yeah, I mean, are they
0: actually, like, small turkeys? Like, yeah, that's a lot of turkey. You
1: maybe have, like, a slice or two of turkey.
0: And you need to tell someone, like, before Thanksgiving, like, don't make your turkey you must have bought for me. So Lorelai fakes getting a phone call, and, like, suddenly she's got an opening on Thanksgiving, and her schedule's cleared, quote-unquote. And then she tells Luke, and Luke's all like, oh, you don't have to come, it's no big deal, you know, please come, please. And then the two girls contemplate, like, hey, should we, like, maybe fast?" instead of eating because we're gonna eat a lot tomorrow and they're like nah let's let's eat a bunch
1: but they're gonna do it by skipping the rolls tomorrow i feel like if you eat light everywhere this is doable if it's spaced out enough i could eat four plates of thanksgiving
0: yeah by the way this is the exact like plot of like a dharma and greg episode haven't seen well it's not a great show Uh, i mean unless you guys love it then it's fantastic So then we're on the street again, walking. There's a lot of street walking in this episode. That sounds wrong. That's not what I mean. But almost. Because while they're walking past the grocery store, Jess shows up. And then Rory and Jess kiss a little bit. And Rory's all like, no, 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 not here, not here. And she, like, secrets him away to, like, a little secluded corner. And they kiss there. And she's like, I'm not ready for, like, public gloating. And he's all like, but I want to gloat. And she's like, you got to wait a little bit. I promise it'll be good later. And he's like, all right, I guess I'll wait.
1: They also are, like, right in front of where Dean works.
0: Totally agree. Also think it's, like, weird that Jess is like, I want to gloat about it.
1: Yeah, I I think it's totally fair to not know what to do at least.
0: Yeah, but also just like kissing on the street. Yeah, yeah, he's like kissing Shane on the street. That's how their relationship is, but like, is that... Well, Roy
1: was kissing Dean on the street.
0: Oh, what? what? They were street kissing with Dean?
1: All the time. They were making out under that tree. Whoa. They made out under a bench one time.
0: Whoa. Max Medina should have put an end to that.
1: But he didn't have a role in her life.
0: It is weird, I think, to make out in front of the store where Dean's working. Yeah. It's one thing if like, you're making out in the park and Dean walks by like, oops, well, shit happens. But if you're like, hey, Dean, but Buddy, where you work and can't leave, we're making out.
1: Yeah, that's just rude, I think.
0: But in the scene, we see Kirk. He shows up again in the store. He's got some pretty bad scratches now. This is very funny because he's like, yeah, I accidentally walked into a room without announcing myself first. <laughs> Apparently, he has to like ask permission to come into rooms for his cat. That-, that was all very funny.
1: He also hasn't seen its underside yet. Yeah, he's
0: not sure the cat's gender, so he's being very loose with the pronouns right now. Uh, but also, Lorelai then runs into Dean, and she, like, assures him, like, hey, even though you and my daughter broke up, doesn't mean we broke up. It's a small town. I want everything to be normal between us. And he's all like, I'm glad, because, like, clearly he wants to, like, hook up with Lorelai. Does that happen? They're the same height. <laughs>
1: That's all that matters in a relationship. And also they are not.
0: I just feel like they're very close.
1: Dean's like trying to get away from her at first. He's like, I got to work. And Lorelai's like, yeah, Taylor's a dictator, which you literally said like one of the last podcasts we did.
0: There's a lot of dictator references in this episode. Apparently it's very on Lorelai's mind.
1: Well, she does become a dictator in season six.
0: Yeah. I mean, I assumed where's the show going to go? So finally, we go to Lane's for Kim's Thanksgiving. They went to Dosey's, by the way, to get flowers because they give flowers to the hosts of each of these Thanksgivings. Miss Kim is like cool on the flowers, but like hates the fact that she brought chocolate. She's like, why would I give that to my kids so that they can go to the dentist? Gotta hate Miss Kim. The Dane is there, Lane's love interest, playing guitar. I'm sorry, who? Dane. What's his name? Dave. Right. That's what I said. Just you now.
1: think they would do a Dean and a Dane?
0: Yeah. But also at this Thanksgiving is Dave. He's playing guitar pretending to be some random Christian guitarist. This is all pretty funny. We find out there's like a big ruse where Lane has like pretended to come across this fake guitar poster she made with all Dave's information on it, is like, I'm a Christian guitarist who can come play at your st- your event.
1: But her mom also remembered him from the dance marathon yep. being a sweetie pie.
0: So Dave being there is like all the big ruse that him and Lane concocted. Miss Kim has no idea that there's like a secret tryst happening here. Dave does give some hints though that he is playing a character. Like when Miss Kim tells him to play some more music, he starts to play The Man Who Sold the World by David Bowie for like a second <laughs> before like transitioning to some Christian stuff. Which is very on brand for the show because they almost had a David Bowie concert like two or three episodes ago. Hmm. So at Lane's, they have to eat Tofurky because everything Miss Kim makes looks disgusting. Lorelai's all like taking a bunch and Rory's like, careful. But Lorelai's like, don't worry, I'll just hide it. That's impossible. Miss Kim apparently watches her the whole time and so she has to eat it. And then they're off to Suki's. Suki's is a lot like Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome right now. <laughs> Suki's eating outside, and there's just like a bunch of angry, like, chanting biker dudes.
1: I guess it's Jackson's family. They're not just random biker dudes.
0: They seem very angry, and I feel like... It's
1: very primal.
0: Yeah. I thought, like, Jackson was gonna come out, like, all scared or something, but he comes out like a king of the wasteland. Yeah. Like, I'm ready to deep fry this turkey!
1: Well, we've met Rune, so if that's any indication of what his family's like, this, I guess, makes sense.
0: (laughs) That's true. Suki's upset because Jackson's gonna deep Fry this turkey
1: which is it's an I, I, expensive turkey i think she said it's like organic yeah she was gonna like secretly put her own rub on it
0: yeah so she's upset but like she promised he could do it so she's starting to get pretty drunk to like manage her upsetness uh it is i think pretty funny scene when they drop it in it's just like super yeah like you said primal
1: i was wondering though did they even eat here because like how long does it take to deep fry a turkey
0: 45 minutes
1: why do you know that without looking
0: they said it in the episode
1: Oh, okay. So I guess they could have hung around long. Cause Laura, like, cracked a drink too.
0: Yeah. I'm also just interested, like, they never tell us if it's good.
1: Yeah.
0: I just want to know, like, would it, was it good deep fried?
1: That's true. I mean, they deep fried everything else, so I assume so.
0: Right. I've deep fried candy bars before. Yeah. Yeah, it was very good.
1: I think deep frying a turkey is pretty popular now, so I'm guessing it is good.
0: They move on to Luke's. Um, they hand him some flowers, and apparently they go through the motions of their stop-bringing-flowers tradition, where they, every year, give him flowers. Every year, he says he doesn't want flowers. Every year, they say you're going to take them and point out that he said these things. And that he doesn't have a vase. And he, Yeah, he doesn't have a vase.
1: Put him in a glass.
0: Yeah. He takes them, and then they sit down, and then Jess sits down and is like, oh, can I eat with you guys? Is that cool? Which I thought was interesting, that he, like, sort of asked permission of Lorelai if he could eat with him.
1: Did he? I thought it was just, like, the plan that the four of them were going to eat together.
0: Well, Rory asks Jess, like, oh, are you going to eat with us? And he says, yeah, if that's okay with you guys. Oh, I see, yeah. Which seemed very, like... I don't know. Like, he's trying to be nice. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, though, because then Luke sits down and the girls are like, y- you don't have to eat with us right now. We know you're busy. And He's like, oh, I wasn't waiting for you. And Jess is like, yes, we were. You yeah. said wait for the girls.
1: Yeah. I'm just outing him that he wanted this to be like a cute moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which I actually thought was kind of sweet. Yeah. Kirk is also at like every location in this episode. More and more scratched every time we see him. He says at this point that 60% of his body is covered in scratches.
1: The cat tried to strangle him? with Yeah, yarn. tried to
0: <laughs> garrot him with some yarn?
1: Says so he's beyond thumbs and derives power from water.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he tried to hide in the water. That was all very funny.
1: He can't taste his food.
0: Yeah, his tongue is damaged, I guess.
1: Oh, also Jess kisses Rory before they sit down. That's important.
0: Yes, kind of like a peck. And then when Jess gets up to fill some coffee, and Luke also gets up, Lorelai like, makes fun of her being like, what a lame kiss. you got to have to do better than that. And then Rory's all like, well, I don't know why. I, I just feel so uncomfortable with PDA now. I don't know why. I mean, we all know why. She's like, I feel like the whole town's watching, which it is. The town is in every aspect of your guys' lives. They are in your business super hard
1: she points out that dean will be moving on as well though which yeah. rory seems to maybe yeah. not have thought about
0: yeah rory's all like oh yeah o- of course rory you gotta let people go okay it's very funny when babette gets up to leave she's there with her weird husband who was his name again maury maury super weird looking dude he looks like a giant chess piece
1: with like sunglasses
0: <laughs> yeah you know taking a day off <laughs> <laughs>
1: even chess takes thanksgiving off
0: yeah and they put their sunglasses on and they go oh, it's with their wife yeah not the queen that's just it's like his work wife What chess pieces he? uh, he's a bishop
1: okay <laughs> continue
0: anyway we all know that we all know that what's his name again maury Maury's a bishop chess piece not a real bishop anyway my point was so babette and maury get up and i assume they're about to move diagonally oh, God. and babette says to rory that's a half-ass kiss you did there i love that i also love the babette's like pro rory hooking up with bad boys because we've already set that up
1: yeah or at least thinks it's just part of life
0: So finally, we get to the Gilmore dinner. Richard and Lorelai are cordial. I feel like they're sort of avoiding talking about anything. Yeah. And we get to see all the guests. There's like some French guests. And apparently Richard speaks French like really well. So Richard's French guest is some guy and like, I don't know, his concubine? I don't know where the relationship is, but she doesn't speak English. She only speaks French. So he has to translate everything, unless Richard is speaking French.
1: And Natalie, who they met at the auction.
0: Yes, the one that called Emily a cobra.
1: Also, there's a man named Brad playing piano. That was funny because Emily's like, I found him at Nordstrom's. And Lorelai's like, was he on sale?
0: Yeah. How many Thanksgivings have paid music? I have never been to a Thanksgiving with a paid musician. At least two. That's crazy. Like, do you have to work on Thanksgiving? Yeah, I need to go to a rich person's house and play. A piano
1: Or a sassy Korean woman's house.
0: Yeah, I need to go to the worst food imaginable factory. That's the Salmonella factory. They're having a Thanksgiving.
1: <laughs> There's nothing wrong with eating tofu. We just want to point out.
0: No, there isn't. But I think it's clear from the show that Miss Kim's food is not delicious. I think you're right. All of Richard and Emily's guests, I want to point out, like, love Lorelai. They think she's super funny. They laugh at all of her jokes.
1: It was so funny when she tried to speak French and just said the lyrics to Lady
0: Marmalade. Yeah, yeah, because technically they translate to, like, do you want to sleep with me? And Richard, obviously, is not up to date on what's popular music-wise. So he just is like, what is my daughter saying?
1: And even Roy's like, "It's it's a song.
0: But even the French guy is like, huh? But then, like, his girlfriend, wife, friend whoever the French woman is next to him is like oh that's funny that's a popular song
1: yeah that was all super funny you just like panic and then release
0: (laughs) yeah Richard's like why would you oh this is a joke I've heard of jokes So while they're around the table, you know, you could tell that Lorelai's uncomfortable, but she's like reining it in, at least for her mother's sake. But they start talking about college and everyone starts saying like, oh, I'm sure Rory has applied to all kinds of schools, at least as backups, right? Like Yale. And then the French guy's like, that would make sense, right? Because Richard went to Yale. So there's a better shot of you getting in there. It only makes sense. And Lorelai's all like, yeah, but, you know, I'm sure she didn't. And Rory's all like, well, yeah, I did. And some of the schools are like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, and uh, like, you know, like Yale, and you know, I went, you know, I applied to Yale.
1: I just want to point out Rory is very reluctant, not like, you to Yale, behind you back? <laughs> your tone was like a little. Hey, well,
0: you know what? Actually, It was Yale. I only applied to Yale.
1: She did not want to say. This is yeah, not how a... she wanted to tell her mom.
0: That's what I was going for. <laughs> uh, that, apparently, that's not what I what I did. It was a, it was a little bit there. Yeah.
1: sure that part was very fun to listen to
0: but Lorelai is like feels betrayed but like also mad at her parents she feels like her parents like forced her daughter to do this like got their manipulative claws in there but like really it just makes sense
1: yeah I mean it seems crazy that Lorelai is shocked that Rory wouldn't apply anywhere else I mean they they do seem to be pretty confident she'll get into Harvard because of that guy they visited but like yeah you gotta apply maybe not even an Ivy League school just as a backup
0: Yeah, it's insane to me that their whole goal is so Harvard-centered. There's no way they haven't read books or anything about, like, the road to getting into a good school. And obviously you would have to apply to more than just Harvard, even if that's your goal.
1: Rory mentions that she could live at home if she went to Gale, so Lorelai assumes, like, Emily talked to her.
0: Right. And Emily's like, no, I didn't. And I believe Emily.
1: Yeah, it's a thing. Again, I feel like they do a really good job when Emily means something.
0: And Richard is like, this is the first time hearing this, but he feels very good. He's like, Jess kissing somebody outside of a grocery store, like, really <laughs> wanting to show off his work.
1: Yeah, when she, like, said Yale, he almost responded like she had said his name. <laughs>
0: yeah. W- 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 yes? But what's funny about the scene is that Lorelai just starts, like, airing all this dirty laundry out at the table. and Well, that part's not funny, but what's funny is the French guy has to keep <laughs>
1: like, yeah. translating it
0: for the woman. Like, well, they're fighting about this right now.
1: I thought that was really fun because, yeah. like, they didn't need to be there. It could have just been the family, but it just added a lot of levity to this very serious conversation.
0: Absolutely. It also added some framework, right? Like, this was brought up. not by the family Uh
1: uh-huh is this Natalie woman kind of was pushing it
0: yeah but also Richard's point of view was presented by these other people as not totally irrational
1: yeah that's great Emily accuses Lorelai being paranoid which she kind of I don't know I think her reasons for assuming Rory applied to Yale because of her parents are legit yes but also they are untrue Rory did it on her own maybe because she was manipulated by at least her grandfather
0: yeah at the end of the day, though, I do feel like Lorelai is overreacting. I do think she's in the wrong here. Yeah. To be fair, what Richard did in the previous episode was totally wrong. But it's only logical that Rory would apply to Yale.
1: Mm-hmm. There was another funny joke in this scene where Emily just, like, asks the French dude how his family likes Orlando. And he's like, it's all Mickey Mouse. They want to die. <laughs> and Emily's like, that's too bad. <laughs> it's just, like, so casual, <laughs> like, very heavy, just in the midst of all this college talk.
0: Yeah. So Lorelai like, excuses herself and then like Emily follows her and Emily pretty much just says like, you know, you're being irrational. You can't let your daughter have one piece of our lives, even if it's what she wants.
1: Yeah. She's like, do you believe we didn't do this? I don't know. I, I like when Emily is like, I know I can be alive, but I'm not this time. Yeah, that's something I would do, but I didn't.
0: Now we do like a reverse tour of the Thanksgivings. Yeah. Lane's Thanksgiving is wrapping up. Dane is leaving. Dave. Dave is leaving. Miss Kim was very happy, said he did a great job, and like gives him $20.
1: For five hours? They act like this is a lot of money.
0: Yeah, I think it's a lot of money for Miss Kim, I think is the idea. Uh,
1: Yeah, maybe. He seems happy with it.
0: Well, I think he's happy just to have been with Lane. That's true.
1: Even for 20 years ago, I think minimum wage was at least like six bucks.
0: Yeah. And it's a holiday. Yeah. So when Dave leaves, he, quote unquote, forgets his Bible. And Lane's like, oh, I got to run this out to him. And then Ms. Kim's like, let me check it. Like a freak.
1: (laughs) What's she going to find in
0: there? Like cocaine, love letters. Like what could possibly be in there? And there's just an inscription that like makes it clear that like Dave is super pro-God.
1: It said, belongs to God is being used by Dave Rogalski. (laughs) Very fun.
0: Dave's waiting outside, and he says he doesn't mind the charade. Lane tries to give him, like, every out, and he's like, no, I had a really good time. And then he kisses her, and she's all like, what? And David Bowie plays, and then he leaves, and she's all, like, starstruck, just like, whoa, what? Because of
1: Bowie playing right in front of her.
0: Yeah, it's like the ghost of Bowie. I guess he's not a ghost at this point, but... Do
1: you mean, like, (laughs) shell-shocked? Yes.
0: (laughs) Then the Gumbo Girls are walking past Suki's. Everyone is wasted. Suki's very drunk. The grass is all burnt up, because apparently there was a little fire.
1: They're deep frying everything.
0: Everything. We overhear Razquat, rasquat, which you pointed out, which is very funny. Yeah. Because Jackson had, like, decided to make Razquats. A
1: very small little detail. I wonder if people catch that. I'd, if we hadn't been somewhat binging it, I don't know that I would have.
0: I don't know that I would have. I did hear it, but I didn't put it together what it was.
1: Someone suggests doing a raspberry, and he maybe even improvised. Like, should we do a rasquat?
0: And then, uh, while we're there, Rory gets a text from Lane that just reads, Bible kiss Bible. Which is uh, what sounds like how Miss Kim would teach Lane about the... The birds and the bees.
1: <laughs> there was also a moment before they get to Suki's where Rory is like, are you mad about Yale? And Lorelai just kind of admits that, like, yeah, she she's irrational when it comes to her parents. She's like, I wish I could tell myself it's going to be okay when they get involved. Yeah. But I, like, can't. And Rory kind of tries to assure her that it'll be okay. So at least Lorelai admits that she was wrong. Yeah. And she admitted to, like, causing a scene at dinner, too. I mean, I, I feel like you're right. She's in the wrong here, but she's admitting it. Yeah. Which I think is cool, because sometimes... I, I do think Emily is a maybe a bad person, and Richard is too.
0: Yeah, they're definitely very flawed people. I don't know if I'd go so far to say bad people, but
1: yeah, I, I don't. I don't actually mean that, but I do think they are manipulative,
0: problematic.
1: But I do think Lorelai sometimes just does things out of
0: well, it's that thing where it's like like she has every reason to have these defenses up, but it doesn't mean that she's right every time when she her spider sense goes up.
1: Yeah. They're not always trying to do wrong by her. Yeah. But they've done wrong by her so much, she just doesn't trust them, basically. Yeah. It's complicated. It's the backbone of the show.
0: Their last stop walking home is Luke's. They want to get some rolls from him because they didn't need him, but now they can. Because the thing about these girls is that they are smart, they make lots of cultural references, they can eat a lot, and they drink coffee.
1: Now you get it.
0: I get the show now. Jess is taking the trash out very reluctantly, and then Rory intercepts him and just like hardcore makes out with him there on the street.
1: Just very briefly, but it's yeah. hard.
0: Very brief, hard kiss. Definitely want to know that person before you lay one of those kisses on him. It's one of those like, uh, hey, I just got done with World War II. Here's a rando nurse on the street. I'm going to kiss her. Let's make a poster out of it. Mm-hmm. Very reverse um,
1: gender of that.
0: Yeah. But don't say that because if you actually know the history of that picture, it's very weird and it's not as cool as it seems.
1: Are you telling yourself to not say that?
0: no. I said it. Anyway, I just (laughs) meant, imagine that, but like in a positive way.
1: Don't tell this to your friends that we said this.
0: I know you want to. Don't. But, you know, it's this great moment, right? Kind of like, that was the arc for this episode for me, was like coming to terms with kissing you in public.
1: Also, no one's on the street right now.
0: Except for Dean.
1: Yeah, except for Dean.
0: They pull away, and of course Dean is there. He's just like, what? Just lurking in the background like a psychopath. Uh, And then just takes the trash over there and... He gets intercepted by Dean this time, who's just like, What you doing, buddy? You want to call me Boy Scout now? Getting into Jess's face. Essentially, like, begging him to fight him. And Jess is like, I'm not going to punch you. I'm not going to fight you because Rory will just think it's my fault. Like, I started it. And Dean's just like, who's the puppy dog now? He's pushing Jess the way Jess has pushed him. Yeah. You did all this stuff and I couldn't do anything because of Rory. Now you can't do anything about Rory. How does it feel to be, like, caged up? He's like, I don't have to be calm and I like that. He also says, this is my time." Town, which is like is Wait, it... you
1: moved there like two years ago yeah this is not your town this is
0: dosi's town yeah. okay
1: <laughs> you might uh, work for dosi
0: but this is dosi's town he literally owns most of it
1: yes maybe part of it belongs to rory i guess she seems to be the princess
0: i really do want to see an episode where dosi's just like this is my town and then richard wilkins is like this is my town who's
1: richard wilkins the mayor Of Sunnydale? Oh.
0: So I just want to say that, like, in a vacuum, Dean seems insane in this scene. Mm Mm-hmm. Totally seems like the villain. But I have to say, man, with, like, all the ways Jess, like, psychologically tortured Dean, this is payback, really.
1: Yeah, I get why he would want to do this.
0: Like, if your girlfriend, who you built a car for, who you loved, who told you she loves you, Just left you for this other guy. Like, rudely just was like, I'm going to be with your girlfriend. You might be mad about that.
1: Yeah. It does seem crazy. You're right. I'm like, what, Dean? Calm down. This is weird. But Jess did the same thing to him.
0: Yeah, Jess, like, confronted him multiple times at his work, insulting him, belittling him, trying to steal his woman from him. When I say his woman, his girlfriend, I don't mean, like, she belonged to him. You know what I mean. But also, it's just like, I don't think Jess is going to win this fight.
1: Yeah, when Dean leaves, you can kind of tell Jess is like, well... I guess I got to deal with this now.
0: So that was pretty intense. And then to cap it off with a nice fun ending is we find Kirk is sleeping in the gazebo. <laughs> he he's looks, being kicked out by the cat. He
1: looks cozy.
0: It's very fun because they're just like, good night, Kirk. And he's like, good night. That was a very fun ending. So I like this episode a lot. I thought it was very funny. Moved the plot along enough for the seasonal arcs. Yeah, I, I would say it was a pretty good episode of Gilmore Girls, actually. Tell me what you think. Do you think this is a good episode? Yeah, I do. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, there really wasn't anything wrong with it. It had good drama at the Gilmore house, as always, and it wasn't even Friday. The stuff with Lane and her mom was, like, cute and tolerable, and it was nice that Was that Lane's first kiss? I think so. I don't know. I don't think she got that far with Henry. Also, the Luke stuff was cute. He clearly was, like, trying to make a little family dinner for them. Sugi, I thought, was really funny. I thought that was, like, a really fun moment for Melissa McCarthy when she was drunk. yeah. Yeah, I think it all worked. It was a fun format to sort of like set all these Thanksgivings up and then revisit them. Yeah. The Kirk stuff was really funny.
0: Mm-hmm. Overall, I think it was a really good episode.
1: Yeah, it was great. All right, Brian. We had two good episodes. Mm-hmm. Which episode do you think was better?
0: It, I think it was Buffy. I think both were good. I got nothing against this Gilmore. I would even say this is a bu- above average good Gilmore, but I just feel like Buffy was firing on all cylinders again. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a really good Gilmore Girls, but... I- I think maybe Buffy's better just because it's sort of like a a different type of Buffy episode that was done really well. Yeah. Like Band Candy was also sort of an alternate Buffy episode, but I I feel like this was way more interesting.
0: I think this is way better than Band Candy. Yeah. I think it was just executed way better.
1: It's a really hard decision for me because there's really not a lot wrong with this Gilmore Girls. Agreed. But just because of the boldness of that Buffy episode, I think, I mean, they were both sort of breaking format. Mm-hmm. Not that Gilmore Girls really has a format, but this felt like a different type of episode. Like, I feel like I would want to watch this on Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so it's a soft Buffy for me because I think they're very close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Buffy.
0: For me, it's Buffy because of all the reasons you said. I think both were funny. But Buffy had that moment where Giles is like, I have to believe the other world's better. And for me, that was like an emotional moment. And mm-hmm. Gilmore Girls, the only real emotional moment was Emily yelling at Lorelai, which was fine. But I don't; it didn't hit me quite the same as Buffy did. And so since both were funny, at that point, it comes down to entertainment and emotion. And I feel like Buffy handled the emotion a little better.
1: Yeah, I get that. I think the main reason I'm hesitant is because the Xander and Willow stuff in Buffy wasn't
0: great. I agree. That part was weird, but they, they kind of just like dealt with that at the beginning and then were like, okay, we're good. Yeah, done. yeah.
1: Once they got like going into the, the alternate reality stuff, it was really good. Okay, that's it. We did it. I feel conflicted.
0: Well, that happens. I, I've i been there.
1: I know. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls season three, episode 10. That'll do, pig.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess for that episode a pig gets loose at Lorelei's house and she has to call Luke over to help find it.
1: No, it's the pig race that Paris joked about.
0: No. God, there's so many pig things. We'll also be watching Buffer the Vampire Slayer, Season 3, Episode 10, Amends.
1: In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes we discussed in this podcast. Like, where did that Cthulhu come from?
0: Does anyone else like the master? My alone?
1: Which of the four Thanksgivings would you have been looking forward to the most?
0: Do you think Dean is insane? Or do you think this is what you reap for what you sowed, Jess?
1: Have you had a cat like Cat Kirk?
0: Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer where we post all kinds of interactive and behind the scenes content.
1: If you're enjoying our podcast please leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you and it really helps get our podcast discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans.
0: And if you leave us a five five-star review, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. For
1: even more comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacey. That's Brian with a Y, Stacey with an E-Y.
0: That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style to our podcast. For all of that and more, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacey.
1: If social media is not your thing, you can send us an email at Brian and reviews at gmail.com. Whew. Should we turn that air conditioning back on?
0: Wish you'd never come to Madison. No. I'm kidding I love you
1: I love you It's so
0: hot though It is let's get the air on Okay bye the, Be the Gilmore Slayer